this morning. Hebrews chapter number 11. Thank you, Tim and Rachel. Aren't you glad for the music the Lord has given us here? Hebrews chapter number 11. We're continuing our theme. Believing God no matter what. Believing God no matter what. Hebrews chapter number 11. How many of you like to wait? I don't see it. Maybe you didn't understand the question. How many of you like to wait? I'll tell you, there's not a hand up here. We like to wait. I think waiting is a little easier now than it used to be. I know sometimes I've had some of my children have to wait on me for whatever it was. And I thought, oh boy, I'm going to get the dad. You were talking too much lecture. But sure enough, I get in the car and they're in there quietly, patiently, on their phones. <laughs> you know, the phones have made it a little bit easier uh, to wait. But what if you had to wait for something so long uh, it never came to fruition? If you think about that, you know, you've been to wait sometimes. People say, hey, I'll be there to wait, to wait, to think. I think they forgot. They forgot about me. I can't believe it. What about when God tells you something? Sometimes God tells us something and there's a delay. In Him keeping His promise. We know that God always keeps His promise. He always does. But when God delays to answer our requests, do we still keep believing Him no matter what? In Hebrews chapter number 11, we read some verses concerning, I think, probably four of the characters. As a matter of fact, look at verse number 9. And I'll tell you, I think it's applying really to these four. Verse number 9 the latter part there. Well, let's read the whole verse. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. And then you read of Sarah in verse number 11. Obviously, our scripture passage today comes is in verse number 16. Speaking of these, these probably a reference to Isaac, Jacob, Abraham, and Sarah. We know obviously it's more than one. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. So you have to say, well, what then did God promise these? I want you to go back to Genesis chapter number 12. And we're going to look at the promise that God made to Abraham and to his seed in Genesis 12. And just remind us concerning the promise that God made. Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto the land I will show thee. Here's a promise. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. We find it reiterated again a few chapters later. If you go to Genesis chapter 15, and for sake of time, we'll just read verse 5 and 6. Genesis 15, 5 and 6. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted him for righteousness. Go to chapter 17. Chapter 17, and we look at verse number 4. The latter part of verse 4, Genesis 17 says, And thou shalt be a father of many nations, 
Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and, and, and thee, and thy seed after thee, and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God made Abraham and his descendants a promise. We go back to Hebrews chapter number 11, and the Bible says in verse 13, These all died in faith, not having received the promise. What God is telling us is they died, but they didn't receive the promise in its fullness. But because they didn't receive the promise doesn't mean that they quit believing God. We find a little word in verse number 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promise. The little word, but... But having seen them afar off, that's faith. Having seen them afar off. Now, before we go any further, let me remind us of the fact that we have promises in the Word of God that have not been fulfilled as, as, as well. What did Abraham and Isaac and them do? They believed God even though they had not received the promise to its fullest. While they were waiting on God, they continued to believe God no matter what. The Bible tells us, therefore, the Lord himself, for the Lord himself, shall descend from heaven with a shout. And the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. But that hasn't happened yet. That's something in the word of God. That God has promised us. That we haven't received yet. And while Abraham and Isaac and Sip, While they waited for the fulfillment of the promise. And they died before they saw it come to fruition. They responded in faith. While we wait for God to do all that He has promised us, we too must respond in faith. And I want to look at, this morning, some lessons that we find as we think concerning this thought while waiting on God. While waiting on God. Let's read the rest of the section of Scripture. We'll have prayer, and then we'll jump in. These all died, verse 13 of Hebrews 11, in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. That is in heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Lord, I ask this morning that you would help us as we look at these few past verses of Scripture. I ask that you would encourage us to continue to walk by faith 
and not by sight. Lord, we are still waiting for things that you promised would happen to happen. Lord, as we think concerning even the rapture, Lord, someday we'll be ever with the Lord. What a day that will be. But Lord, I ask that you would help us to respond in faith as these did while we're waiting on you to do what you've promised. And we'll thank you for what you do. Lord, I can't do anything to help anybody here this morning, but you can. Lord, I ask that you would use me. I yield myself to you. Draw us close to yourself now in a few minutes as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, while waiting, be persuaded. Be persuaded. Verse number 13, the Bible says this, and were persuaded. The word persuaded means to rely, to trust, to have confidence in. They trusted on the word that God had promised them, even without seeing it come to fruition. When we allow circumstances that, uh, we looked at this on Wednesday night, when we allow circumstances that might be contrary to what we God has promised us, it is very easy for doubt to get in. And we think concerning the message we heard on Sarah, who was 90 or just about 90 some years old. Hey, you're going to have a child. Who, me? I don't know. I don't think that's going to even be possible. You see, doubt sometimes creeps in. We know what God has promised us. We know what the Word of God is. We looked Wednesday night at John the Baptist. John was a preacher of righteousness. He, he prepared the way of the Lord. And yet John found himself in prison for declaring truth. And he says to the disciples, go and ask them, is this Jesus? Is this really the Christ? Or do we look for another? Why? Because his circumstances in his life, he's in prison for preaching the gospel. His circumstances were contrary to what he thought they should have been. And he had some doubt in his life. And of course, Jesus deals with the doubt by saying, hey, tell them what you've seen and what you've heard. The Bible says in Romans 10, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Are we persuaded and are we continually persuaded, continually convinced, continue to have confidence in the truth of God's word, whether we hear it or see it, whether we see it or don't see it. Carter, actually his first name was Russell Carter was a star athlete of a military academy. He was an excellent student academically, and he went on to be a successful teacher and coach. It wasn't until some health issues came into his life, a crisis with his natural heart, that he began to understand the reality and the power of God's Word, Bible promises. At age 30, his health was in critical condition, and the physicians could do no more for him. They could not help him. Carter turned to God for help and healing he now made a promise that healing or no, regardless, his life was finally and forever fully consecrated to the service of the Lord. It was from that moment that the written word of God became alive to Carter. He began to stand upon the promises of God's word of healing, determining to believe God no matter what his physical condition was, no matter how he felt. Over the course of the next several months, his strength returned. His heart was completely healed. Carter lived another 49 years, and it is Carter that wrote the, hymn, the words to the hymn we sing, Standing on the Promises of God. God's word never fails. We can stand on the promises 
of his word. In 1985, for the first time in more than 50 years, Congress authorized the issue of U.S. official government gold coins. Beginning in 1986, these coins came on the market. Each of these American eagles, as they were known, is guaranteed by the U.S. Mint to contain the stated amount of pure 22-karat gold. A tenth, a quarter, a half, one ounce sizes. Buyers from all around the world trust these coins because they trust the promise of the United States government that the coins are what they claim to be. When it comes to the scripture, when it comes to the word of God, we have something far more reliable than every any government backing. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that God's promises, every word in the Bible is there on purpose. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The word of God. Our faith is in what God says. And he gives us a Bible that we can depend upon. It may look, as we listen to the news, you watch the news, you talk to people around, it may look like this world's fallen apart. It may look like, hey, is the World Health Organization going to be under the control of somebody? There's so many questions that we can begin to come in our mind, and we can begin to wonder what's going on. But I tell you this, no matter how bad it gets, God is still on the throne. And we can become more and more convinced. By the way, if we see it from a Bible standpoint, things have to kind of get worse, right? The technology has to advance so people can put a mark on their hand or on their forehead. And so when we look at it from a Bible perspective, we can become more and more persuaded about the truth of the Word of God as perilous times continue to get worse and worse. The word of the Lord, 1 Peter 1, verse 25, endureth forever. Mm. They were persuaded. Number two, as we wait for God to fulfill all that he has promised us. The scripture says, they were persuaded of them and embraced them. Secondly, we need to be passionate. The word embraced means to be happy about to welcome, to receive a joyful greeting. They embrace the promises of God with a joyful heart, and by doing so, they welcomed whatever came in life. You see, I can welcome the difficulties and the delays in my life if I embrace the promises of God. You see, if we get into the truth of the Word of God and we recognize that what God says is going to happen, I can hey, I, I can welcome it. I can be passionate about serving God in this world. Think about what the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter number 3. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? You see, I'm going to be about a holy conversation, a godly lifestyle, if I recognize that this world is going to be dissolved. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Oh, we say that we love people. 
We say we love, oh, I love, you love your family and we love people. And yet they're on their way to hell. And, and the Bible says we're all going to stand before God. And the Bible says that there's a great white throne judgment that's coming. And the people that we love, if I live in light of the truth of the word of God, if I'm passionate about recognizing that they're going to stand before God one day and they're going to be sent to hell unless they trust Christ as Savior, I'm going to be motivated to say, hey, I love you. And because I love you, I've got to declare to you the truth that God loves you. And God died for you. And God wants to save your soul. Amen. You see, living according to the truth of the word of God. When the kids were younger, they would always try to get me to say, do you promise? I say, hey, maybe after church tonight, we'll go to get ice cream. You promise that? You promise that? I had to be careful what I promised because I didn't want to make a promise that I couldn't keep. And you see, did you ever break? Yeah, there were times when, due to extenuating circumstances, right, where I couldn't keep my promise, I did what I could. You know what? God never fails on the promises that He makes for us. He never does. He always takes care of us. Charles Spurgeon told this story of his grandfather, James Spurgeon, and his faith in God. He had a large family and a very small income, but he loved his Lord, and he would not have given up his preaching of the gospel for anything. One day the cow on which the family relied on for milk for the children suddenly died. James Spurgeon's wife was greatly concerned, but he said, God said he would provide, and I believe he could send us 50 cows if he pleased. On that same day, a group of men... A group met in London, a group James Spurgeon did not know. They wanted to help meet the needs of poor pastors. They raised a large sum of money and began sending it to different pastors in need to help their families. When they reached the end of the list, there were still five pounds left. One man suggested sending it to James Spurgeon, Charles's grandfather, and he recalls this story, recognizing how God took care of them. Another said, let's not just send him five pounds. I'm going to add five more. Others joined in, and the day after his cow died, James Spurgeon received 20 pounds in the mail. And he taught his grandson what? That God can be trusted. Hey, they embraced the promises of God. God will take care of us. Number three, it gets better. And confessed, verse 13, that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. The word confessed is a word that means to openly declare, to admit, to declare, to profess. They professed two things. Number one, they were strangers. The word strangers means that they were from a foreign country. Their allegiance, hit this now, was to another country. They didn't even speak the native tongue. Think concerning what the scripture says. We're strangers and pilgrims. Just thinking concerning that native tongue. We live in a world that is anti-God. And I'll tell you this, I'm burdened for Christians that want to fit in. A burden when God's people live like and act like and talk like the world. 
There ought to be a difference between the language of a believer and the language of somebody that's not a believer. That's right. And as the world gets worse and worse, I have found that Christian people begin to embrace the language of the world. You say, Pastor, do you know Christians that take the name of the Lord in vain? Unfortunately, I have to say yes. And I recognize that they may have come from a rough background. And they may have come and that comes natural. But I say this, thanks be to God, which giveth us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Preacher, do you know Christians that cuss? Unfortunately, I have to say, yes, I do. They speak just like the language of the unsaved world. And I tell you this, we're strangers. Hey, our citizenship, our allegiance is to another country. And there ought to be a difference. The Bible tells us many times, and we look at the Corinthians, the church at Corinth, come out from among them and be ye separate. Paul told the church at Rome, he said, be not conformed. Stop being conformed to the things of this world. Hey, our allegiance is to heaven. We're strangers. And then they use the term pilgrims. A pilgrim was a temporary resident in a foreign country. The word declare plainly means they basically were not ashamed to be aligned with God. They were a temporary resident in a foreign country. How many of you have ever taken a mission trip? We took a mission trip to Ireland. Years and years ago, we took a mission trip to Mexico. And when we got to Mexico, they drove us 12 hours into Chapawacanito. Ever been there? My wife's been there. Yeah, it was, they had no running water. I mean, they didn't have bathrooms like we have bathrooms. They just had a couple bricks. And I mean, it was remote. And I'll tell you this, it was hot. Brother, it was really hot. It was hotter than, I, hotter than I've ever been. I think it might have been 120 degrees hot. It was super hot. And we were there to do a work project. Uh, the windows had no glass. It was just cinder blocks and a hole. And more cinder blocks and a hole. The, 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 the floor was gravel. There was gravel. The, the, the seats were just benches. I mean, there was no backs. If you went to back, you were on the floor. I mean, just a bench. And the services were long. And I tell you, I wasn't there for a day or two. And I was very thankful that I was just a pilgrim. I was just there for a temporary time. Because my comforts and my conveniences were back in the United States of America. You couldn't just go down and the only thing you could get was a Coke. Because Coke's is filtered water. I had an excuse to drink lots of Cokes on that trip. But Cokes don't quench your thirst like water does. You had to get it at the right place and the right... It was, I mean, it was, it was a little bit complicated. But I wasn't there forever. We were there to do a job. We were there to put a second floor on their, on their church building and to try to be a blessing to this church. And they were happy. And it, it was... I mean, I, in the middle of it, I was like, what did I get myself into? Now that I look back at it, I think, what a wonderful blessing to be so out of my comfort zone and be a blessing to them. But, but, but the thought was always on my mind, I'm going home. It's okay, we can get through this. I'm going home. I told you this, I told the story. We had a businessman on the trip that came to me. And he said, when we get back to the States, I'm buying hotels for everybody. We're not, so we slept in a church 
first night on the way in. Uh, he said, we're not sleeping in a church. We're getting hotels if I have to buy them all. I'm getting a shower. I'm, what was he thinking? He was thinking, hey, I'm going home. Uh, hey, I'm here just for a short while, but I'm going home. And the reality is, folks, we're here for a short while. Also said to Peter, Peter said, First Peter, dear beloved, I beseech thee as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. This world's not our home. We, we're just a passing through. Our treasures ought to be laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And we think concerning the aspect of professing or declaring or admitting, hey, I'm a Christian. The songwriter said it this way, who is on the Lord's side? And we sometimes can profess, hey, I'm on the Lord's side. But as we think concerning our actions and concerning our walk, there ought to be a difference. We're strangers. We're pilgrims. They openly declare. They confessed. We're strangers and pilgrims on this earth. And when you think concerning that, it puts life into perspective, doesn't it? Number four, and lastly, I want you to see this. Look down at verse number 16. The Bible says this. But now they desire a better country. The word desire is a word that means to strive, to attain, to aspire, to reach after. And it says God is not ashamed to be called their God. Number four, not only were they persuaded and they were passionate and they were proclaiming, but number four, they were pursuing. They were pursuing what? They were striving for eternity. They were living, can I say it this way? They were living in light of eternity. You know, if we really believe what God's word says, we're going to heaven, we're going to be there. The scripture tells us, what shall a profit a man if he gain, Mark chapter 8, if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The scripture says that we're to do what? Lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust or corrupt, these don't break through and steal. And yet we spend so much time on earth, sometimes building the empire, sometimes making money. Somebody say, hey, did you read your Bible? I really don't have time. I'm too busy to read my Bible. We're not living for eternity if we don't have time to read our Bible. If we don't take the time to spend in prayer and take the time uh, to, to seek to reach people with the gospel and, and see church and, and spiritual things as important, we're not living heavenly minded. We're living earthly minded. Colossians says this, If you then, or since you then, be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth of the road above. Right? Set your affection on things above. The decisions we make here, we ought to make in light of eternity. Are we living for that better country? If someone followed you around this week, they followed you around where you went and what you did and what you watched and how you acted, would they think, hey, there's something different about this guy? There's something different about this gal. The things of earth, turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of earth will grow strange. Don't seem all that important to them. What's going on in the sports world, or, or the financial world, or fortune, five, it doesn't seem all that important to them. They're living for eternity. 
Somebody wrote this. I purchased a town lot in heaven on the city not built with hand. I'm sending material daily to build in that happy land. I'd like a mansion on Main Street where streets are all paved with gold, with a clear view of the pearly gates where Christ takes care of the soul. I want to send good material that will stand the test of time, so I'll not be disappointed when I reach that home sublime. Prayers for the foundation, faith and love for the walls, good deeds for the reinforcement that will stand when the Savior calls. I would like for you, my neighbor, in that city so divine, maybe just across the street, or your home close to mine. Up there we'll know no sorrow, tears will never dim the eyes. There we'll rest in peace forever, in that happy home on high. So my friends, start to build it. Your home beyond the sky, where we all can be together in the sweet pride of life. Living in light of eternity, with eternity's values in view. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, here's the promises. They didn't see it all in fruition, but they believed God. They walked by faith. God mentions it here in the Word of God. They were persuaded more and more. They embraced it. They were passionate about it. They proclaimed, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a stranger and a pilgrim. And they pursued on this earth that which would matter in eternity. How much of our life is lived for eternity? Someday, one promise, the trump's going to sound. The Lord's going to descend. We'll meet him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. May God help us while we are waiting to be faithful, to walk by faith, believe in God, no matter what. Lord,